If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Would you like a business logo for $5? How about a 500-word article for your blog for $5, or maybe a professionally designed business card for $5, or a nice video intro slash outro for your YouTube videos or podcasts for $5, or almost anything for $5. You get the point. That and much more is possible to get $5 on a website called Fiverr. If you haven't signed up for Fiverr or brought your first Fiverr gig, now it's perfect time to do so. Because as a thank you for listening to my podcast, you can use code FiverrReport10 at checkout for 10% off at Fiverr.com. Make sure you follow them at Fiverr and all your social media platforms so you can be the first to know what's new. All right, welcome back. Mitchell Port and Leash Podcast. It's episode 212, and I have a brilliant guest coming on to the show here. He's a fellow Canadian, right, for film, television, actor, he plays the role of Doug Brazell in the Netflix series called Lock and Key. Mr. Jesse Camacho, how's it going, my man? Um, very good, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. This is going to be fun. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So let's get right into it. I'm not the biggest Netflix watcher currently right now, but mm-hmm. the show on Netflix, Lock and Key, what's the series about and what is the role that you play, my friend? Yeah, so it's about this this family. Uh, they're the the Locke family, hence uh, hence the title. And basically, uh, their father is uh, murdered in this kind of crazy, mysterious uh, incident. And to kind of regroup and to I guess try to bring the family closer together, uh, their mother Nina moves them back to the father's childhood home, which is Key House. Uh, and once the, you know they get there and they're kind of adapting to the new environment, they realize there's sort of a malignant presence in the house that's trying to collect a series of kind of magical keys and the kids get kind of sucked into trying to, first of all, stop this, you know, kind of evil being from getting them first and also stumbling upon them themselves and in their own way, getting kind of seduced by the power of these things. And my character, Doug is uh, one of uh, Kinsey Locke. Kinsey's the daughter. Uh, one of her new friends at school were called the Savini squad and were big, basically a, horror movie fan club that idolizes uh, the great Tom Savini. 
and you know we sort of stumble into a couple of adventures with her so it's a lot of fun oh no definitely definitely i gotta check it out you know it's it's something that it's on my list now to to really take a deep dive especially with how we're sitting right now with with the COVID nineteen right and under quarantine, so I'm definitely gonna check that out. Your role, right, Doug Brazell, mm-hmm. right? What what what's what? How did you come into doing that role, and and how did mm-hmm. you make it shape into your 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 acting career right now? Right. Well, I mean uh, the, the the process of of uh, getting the job was pretty pretty much what it typically is. You know, I got the audition and. Uh, I remember when I read the breakdown, the character is actually very, very similar to me. You know, he's sort of the kind of, uh, I, I think I'm friendlier than Doug, I want to point out. But other than that, like, he's sort of, the, you know, the sarcastic, uh, witty he, he, part of the group, right? Always kind of cracking a joke. Uh, and yeah, it was it was a, a an easier, you know, quote unquote, transformation uh, for me because the character was just so similar to me. So I remember going into the audition going, you know, it's not a huge adjustment, but try to put as much of yourself into this as possible. Make him as much like you as you can. And I think, I, I guess that that's what worked out about it. So, you know, it wasn't exactly a job where I would get to set and have to, you know, like take 20 minutes to get into it. I was like, I was like no, this is me. I I very much enjoy horror films. Uh, I, I have a group friend like this. Um, so it, it actually came rather easily to me which makes the job even more fun because I just get to go to work and just have a blast with those people. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, definitely. What would you say was the, the biggest highlight of, of, you know, surrounding yourself with the brilliant actors that are on the, the Netflix series here? And uh, how do you guys still keep in touch and all that? Or if you do keep in touch with them? Well, yeah, you just said it. I mean, that was definitely the highlight of the job was getting to work with people I worked with. And even those in the cast that I really didn't get to have as many scenes with. Um but I remember I, I was a huge uh, in high school. My uh, religion was the show Lost. I was a massive Lost fan. And uh, Carlton Cuse, who was one of the main showrunners and creators, I don't, I don't know if he created Lost, but he came on and he basically co-ran that show. Uh, and he's the showrunner of Lock and Key. So that was the first thing that was like super exciting and like a pinch me moment for me. And then getting to work with all those guys, uh, the actors that I really got to work with were uh, – Amelia Jones, Patrice Jones, no relation. They're just uh, just a coincidence. Okay. Amelia Jones, Patrice Jones, Asha Bromfeld, uh, Griffin Gluck, uh, and uh, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Well, maybe not. That was that was the uh, the Savini squad. So those are the guys that I really got close with and got to keep in touch with. And yeah, we still talk to this day. We've got a WhatsApp chat group. Uh, we check in on each other. I mean, uh, it's always a little tricky since Asha and I are Canadian, but. Uh, Everyone else is sort of in L.A. or London. But, uh, yeah, we definitely keep in touch. We're super close. We're like a family. But that extends to the entire cast, right? I mean, even people that I had very little scenes with, you know, uh, we, we check up on. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was definitely the highlight for me was getting to meet and work with those people. That's amazing, my friend. And keep cultivating and building the relationships because you just don't know what might happen down the road, you know? Maybe you guys can absolutely be in another movie or another another Netflix series, you know, down the road and things like that. So I like that, building the relationships mm-hmm. the correct way. Lock and Key is officially renewed for season two. How excited are you about this? And I know with what's going on right now in the current pandemic, you know, is there any sites of kind of maybe, you know, when you guys might start back? Are we already going through script writing? What, what's the what's the forecast mm-hmm. for that? 
Um, well, yeah, it's uh, it's incredibly exciting. You know, we we you don't know like Netflix, uh, and and I understand why they do this, but they don't really release their numbers. They don't really release a ton of information. They've started doing their top ten list, but that was I think only a month and a half after we were released. So we felt good, and we felt the reception was good, but you know, you, you just never know, right? So uh, it, it felt really great when uh, we got the news that we were going again, and uh, you know, uh, I was uh, I've been hinted at that I'll be back. So that's, that's very exciting. Um, I believe we were supposed to go, uh, around now again, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, mm-hmm. but I think that was the plan. And obviously, uh, COVID-19 hit and it's really not, obviously, uh, when you look at the world as a whole, one of the worst things that's, uh, that's a cost of it. You know, like if we have to wait a couple extra months to shoot season two and be safe, it's such a small price to pay. It is a drag of course, I'm very much looking forward to it. But from what I've understood, uh, and again, I could be totally, totally wrong. It's very much a case of broken telephone, uh, is that it might be, you know, maybe around the fall. I guess, you know, we're just going to have to see what the world's at. But as far as I know, um, they have they wrote the entirety of season two, which is pretty rare. Usually uh, writing's still going on while you're shooting, but because of everything that's going on, the writers just were like, well, might as well keep writing and uh, keep working. And I think they were doing Zoom sessions and yeah, as far as I know, they've written the whole season. So Amazing. Uh, when we do, when it does come time to shoot, yeah, we'll be able to fly through it. So for the listeners that are listening to you right now, what can you say in just one word people can look forward to the first time hearing you and going to experience lock and key after, after listening mm. to this podcast? Uh, wow. I would say spellbinding. Okay. It's a very much, yeah, it's very much in that kind of fun, like Harry Potter, Stranger Things with like a kind of a, a little bit of haunting of Hill House and some fun like teenage shows as well. It's a really fun mix of things. And, you know, if you're over the age of like, I would say 12 or 13, anyone can watch it. Okay, perfect. Perfect. So it's not going to be any spooks and uh, jump scares that are for the younger audience and things like that or... (laughs) I wouldn't say that. There's definitely there's definitely creepy moments and uh, there's there's a couple jump scares, but I, I don't think people will be too traumatized. Again, I think you know you're over the age of like thirteen. Any anything with a teen at the end of it, any number with a teen at the end of it, I, I'm pretty sure you're okay. And, and some younger kids might enjoy it as well. Obviously, I'd leave that to the parents' discretion. But it's a it's it's a pretty easy show to watch for the family. I would say I'm gonna get in trouble now for saying that. I know it. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's Some kids gonna have nightmares, and I'm gonna be in trouble. Oh, hey, you know what? You're not no tr- you're not gonna be any trouble by what you said here on the <laughs> podcast. So it's totally fine. What was the most challenging role switching from lock and key? What was the most challenging role you had to do as an actor, and how did it? How did you overcome it? Yeah, uh, I did a. Uh, a film here. It was a, a very small budget film in Montreal called We're Still Together. And it was directed by uh, a good friend of mine named Jesse Klein. Uh, he's only a couple years older than me, but he wrote it and directed it and kind of put it all together. And uh, it was it was something that I related to. Basically, the you know, the the quick pitch is it's a it's a kid who's been kicked out of his house and he's just wandering the streets. He's horribly bullied and he he can't go home. His mom doesn't want him to come home for the rest of the night. And so he's just kind of wandering and this stranger uh, picks him up. And, you know, what you kind of discover is the stranger is almost as lost as he is. And it's kind of about these two, uh, 
you know, wounded people going through a night together. And I play the main kid who's been kicked out of his house. And it was just, it was, it was a very, it was really dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and really like a lot of, it was very introverted work. And, you know, uh, I think the thing that, uh, that I'm usually, that I usually do in my career is more kind of the funny outspoken, you know, fast talking friend. So this was a really fun exercise to really do a lot of kind of inner monologue stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know how I overcame it was, you know, I just took it one day at a time, you know, look at the scenes, see what they provide, drive to set, listen to like sad music. This is, this is a kind of a embarrassing truth. I listened to the song maybe from the Annie musical. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. It kind of lost orphany, even though he's not an orphan, but just to get me in that mood, and then I think what's also important for me, I mean, everyone's process is different, was to also be light on a dark set. You know, don't be afraid to make a joke at an appropriate time, to joke around, to give yourself a break from that mindset. There are certain amazing actors that just like to live in that, and that's uh, absolutely a great way to go. And what also really helped is my co-star on that uh, was this guy, Joey Klein, who was the director's older brother, mm-hmm. who is just wonderful and like uh, really someone to watch and learn from. So that was probably the, the trickiest um, mm-hmm. that I've ever done, but super rewarding and super fun to do. No, 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 definitely, definitely. What inspired you to become an actor? Um, you know, I, I'm in a bit of a uh, weird circumstance. My parents are actually both actors. Okay. Uh, so I was, uh, I kind of came out of the womb wanting to perform. And, uh, you know, I, I've said before that if you look at all of our home videos for when I'm a kid, it's so annoying. I'm always jumping in front of the camera trying to do stuff. And, uh, uh, and you know, my parents were really supportive of me wanting to pursue it. But at the same time, they were a little bit like, are you sure there's a lot of rejection? It's not always fun. It's fun when you're working, but most of the time you're not working and it's a struggle and it's a struggle all the time. Uh, but when I was really like, no, I was eight years old. I was pretty young at the time. I was like, no, it's what I want to do. I'm sure they were like, all right, let's do it. And they've been super supportive ever since my sister's an actress as well. So we're just a a family of performers. I love that. I love that. So it's inspiration (laughs) amongst the whole entire family. Has there been any roles that you've acted with mom, dad, your sister at all, or maybe something brewing down the road? Are we thinking about or? Um, yeah, funny that you asked that actually. Well, uh, my, I've obviously when I was in, um, in, uh, I'm not uh, in Quebec, it's called Seja, which is basically college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would write stuff for my film classes and, you know, I'd get my parents to, to jump in on those and my sister as well. But in like things that I haven't written, uh, my dad and I actually did a movie together last, maybe it's two summers ago now, called Good Sam, which is also a Netflix film, uh, which is a really kind of nice, feel-good movie. And my dad actually played my boss, uh, and that was super fun. Uh, I, I mean, I'll work with my parents any day of the week. They're, you know, they're obviously my inspiration. Uh, my dad and I are always kind of fiddling with ideas, and you know, we've been having fun writing like a potential feature for us both but i mean who knows what's going to happen with any of that stuff so there's always there's always stuff cooking and uh I'll, I'll work with them yeah anytime i hear you when we talk about inspirations and we talk about you know innovation also too what's the biggest piece of advice you ever received on set hmm. i actually funnily enough it it, it was while i was on set uh, i was on a show called uh, less than kind which Besides Lock and Key is probably the project that's nearest and dearest to me. It really shaped me as a person, an artist. And it was uh, – my dad actually was with me and it was 
you know, I was young and it was a day where I, I guess I, I don't know if I, I was complaining about something or what, but he was like, you know, a lot of people don't get this opportunity, you know, uh, and uh, it was just really eye-opening. And then after that, I kind of struggled to find work for a while. And I was like, I don't really know what's going on. And my dad was like, look, this is the lesson, you know, is you got to keep your head down, keep doing good work, you know, and eventually something will give. You know, you you were obviously you, you earned it, but you were lucky with the show you were on. And a lot of people don't get that opportunities that are like really, really talented. So, you know, I, I would say it's it's keep your head down. If you're doing good work, trust the process. Sometimes it'll be one audition. And you'll get something. Mm-hmm. Most times it'll be a thousand before you get something. But just keep your head down and keep doing the good work. Brilliantly said, my friend. Brilliantly said. Brilliantly yeah. said. Brilliantly said. Is there any actor or actress you would like to work with? Dream actor, dream actress. Maybe somebody right now that you're 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 maybe into talks with. I don't want you to drop any spoilers if you are, but uh, <laughs> if you wanted to work with somebody, actor, or actress, or maybe both. Well, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, there's, there's no one. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, there's, there's members of the uh, the Lock and Key cast that I'd like to work with in the second season. But in terms of like someone I dream to work with, I've been a really big fan, especially in the last couple of years of Saoirse Ronan. I think she's like super talented. I loved Lady Bird. I loved her in Little Women. I just think she's uh, really, really talented. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be the first to say this, but working with someone like Meryl Streep would be super cool. Uh, and to round it all off, because I had a, a real life, maybe three minute interaction with her, I'll, I'll say uh, Jennifer Lawrence is someone that I've always uh, really, really enjoyed and, you know, the way that she works and stuff. So those are three of the big ones, you know, and then there's, of course, there's always, you know, the, the, the De Niro's mm-hmm. and the Pacino's and the Tom Hanks and all those people as well. I see that. I see that. The, the, the heavy hitters, I like to call them the A-listers. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, totally, totally. What is one perception? I know this is a question I throw out to a lot of, you know, actors, actresses, people that are in, 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 in higher um, professions is what's one perception mm-hmm. of an actor, because what you are, uh, you wish some people could understand. That's hard to maybe debunk if you get what I mean. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure uh, how much this is a perception anymore. Um, so I might be a little dated in this. I would say... There, for a lot of people, there's this sort of perception that it's that it's easier than it is, that it's like, you know, you make all this money or you do all this like, you know, the average income for an actor is, I think, eight thousand dollars a year. Uh, so I would say, that, yeah, the, the perception that that used to bother me the most or that bothers me the most, again, I, it may have changed from now, is that people automatically assume that you're, you know, you're well off or here's another one. If you've just done a job. That I was like, oh, well, now you're rich. It's like, that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like uh, Lock and Key, I was super lucky. And listen, like, you know, it, it, it helped me pay my rent. And like, I'm not at all complaining about that. But, you know, I'm, during COVID-19, I'm applying for government money. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's that kind of thing. And, and, that's, and that's really not a jab at Netflix or Lock and Key or anyone. Like, uh, everyone is super well compensated. But it's, you know, I, I think that, you know, unless you're a massive celebrity – you know, this is not going to be something that you can do two jobs and then just sit back for the rest of your life. So again, I'm not sure how many people still think that, but I know that was something for a while. And that was always something that surprised me that people uh, still sometimes ask about. What would you do differently if you were not, or you didn't want to pursue 
the world of actor or acting, right. should I say? What would you do differently? Um, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, if, if we're talking completely outside of film, because I, I've always also enjoyed writing and creating in, in all forms, but it, like to go completely different, I actually always thought um, I was really always kind of fascinated by psychology. You know, I'm someone who has been in therapy and, uh, you know, I, I like to consider myself the person that a lot of my friends like to talk to about their stuff. And I just really like it, listening to people's uh, to people's issues. On the flip side of that, though, a lot of, uh, I think, psychological conditions kind of freak me out, which is, you know, part of the reason why I was in therapy sometimes is because I was a bit of a hypochondriac. So I don't know how well that would work out. But I really do like listening and talking to people. Um, so I, I think something in that area would have really fascinated me. I don't know. It's just I've, I've always been that guy to my group of friends. And and I, I enjoy that position. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, I, I don't roll my eyes when my friends are ranting about their day or about any anxiety they feel like I want to help and, and stuff. So I, I think something in that area, maybe down the road, maybe, maybe 10 years down the road, five years down the road, 15 years down the road, maybe maybe, maybe something you could pursue, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and definitely talk about, you know, trials, tribulations you've experienced with being an actor and, and the things that you've seen and all mm-hmm. that good stuff. Right. What is yeah, one, 100%. yeah. What is one fun fact? Nobody knows about Mr. Jesse Camacho. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, as much like a personal fact, but it's, uh, you know, an embarrassing anecdote is that uh, at the Toronto International Film Festival, like seven years ago now, I literally, no joke, wet myself while shaking Colin Farrell's hand. Speak about this for a sec. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, So I was just, I had just come off of, and this, this is kind of funny because it also exposes my ignorance at the time, uh, an ignorance that my parents would be kind of embarrassed about because they've been great and they've prepped me for the trials and tribulations of the industry. But I had just done the first season of that show, Less Than Kind, and I don't know what possessed me, but I thought like, oh, I've done a season of a show now. I can go to the Toronto International Film Festival and go wherever I want. That's how this works. Mm. And so I like, I went to Toronto and I, I called uh, the publicist for the show and I was like, Hey, I'm here. And she was like, um, okay. And I was like, yeah. So what parties am I going to? She's like, well, do you have a movie in the festival? And I was like, no, she goes, um, I don't know. Like, you know, it's just not how it works. And, uh, she ended up calling me back a couple hours later saying like, okay, you're lucky. I've got a couple tickets to the in Bruges after party, which was a great film that uh, Colin Farrell was in. Anyway, I ended up going, I was several drinks deep and I really needed to go to the bathroom. And there was a huge lineup for the bathroom because it was a weird bar with one toilet. Yeah. And I was kind of freaking out, trying to figure out what was going on. Meanwhile, I wasn't completely sober either. And the publicist happened to be walking by with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. And she like bumped into me. She was like, oh, Jesse, this is Colin and Brendan. And I, I was at the point where I needed to go so bad that if I thought about anything else, like it was happening, all my effort had to be in to holding it in. And I literally forgot for a second while I was shaking Colin Farrell's hand and wet myself. Luckily, you know, they had, I think, you know, more important people to talk to. So they kind of just moved off. They didn't notice. But I was standing in a crowded bar in a puddle of my own urine. So that was, uh, that's a fun fact. No, no, no. (laughs) It's kind of funny. (laughs) Um, Because you know what? And I think, I think that we, you know, the people that that are listening to this podcast here is they're all going to be able to relate Mm -hmm. because, we may, you know, we may not be actors or actresses or, or public figures, but you look at it from a perspective, you can meet somebody that you idolize or somebody that you can gravitate to 
And the same thing might happen. You might, you know, not say anything. You might be like, uh, uh, uh. And in your case, it's, you know, fun, a fun fact, but an embarrassing moment, but you overcame it. You know what I mean? So I, I can oh, totally I'm, understand. You're right. I'm super proud of that moment now. But, yeah. it, you know, in, in, in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, this is like, how much worse can this be? No. <laughs> um, but uh, but now I like now I, I look back on it. I'm like, well, that's I'm so happy that that happened because I can uh, I can tell that story and, you know, everyone can enjoy it. I hear you, my friend. As we're winding down real quick, you know, mm. and, I, and I get with what we got going on here. We're living in the pandemic. It is quarantine. You know, we're both Canadians. Uh, lots of lots of moving parts are going on. But what have you been doing with your free time with the quarantine? And uh, what what do you what are you kind of looking forward to when the when the band starts lifting and you can get back outside and and do all the the great things that we're knowing to do? Well, I I don't know if I've been doing anything drastically different than anybody else, and I'm someone who, uh, you know, I, I I'm not great when my mind sits idle. Like uh, I, as I said before, I have some anxiety, so uh, it actually. But I've been I've been coping pretty well. I was uh, fortunate. I got kind of. St- stranded or stuck i'm not stranded in montreal with my parents so i've been staying with them which has actually been uh, really fun I, I haven't lived at home for many years now but it's been nice to kind of just be back here and uh hanging out with them but yeah it's every day i go for a nice long walk uh, my parents place is in the old montreal so there's a beautiful walk along the pier i try to read trying to trying to write trying to stay creative um re, you know listening to podcasts and reading books and checking out new shows. So it, it hasn't been too, too bad, but you know, I'm very much looking forward, obviously like we all are to this passing and hoping everyone stays safe uh, to just, you know, see people again, to go out and grab a drink with friends. And it's, it makes you miss the simple things, you know, like go to, go to the theater to see a movie or go to a show. Uh, and of course I'm really looking forward to getting back to work. Uh, you know, it was one of the best times of my life shooting season one. So I'm very much looking forward to getting back at it. But if we have to wait to make sure it's safe for everyone, then uh, I'll wait as long as they recommend. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just, you know, the, the, the little things, just keep your mind occupied with, with, especially with everything kind of circulating and things like that. Even with movies, we talk about Netflix, we talk about how video viral, not viral videos, but videos inside the household. If it's Apple, Netflix, uh, Hulu, um, Apple mm-hmm. Apple has their own streaming service and stuff like that now and I think this is kind of a sidebar question you as an actor how do you think this is going to impact movie theaters right now currently as far as how these releases may happen do you think a lot of big major corporations might result looking to Netflix to, to release their movies or uh, do we think that maybe there's going to be a more of a spike increase of how streaming is going to impact uh, impact our lives yeah, I definitely think that uh, that streaming is going to play a, a bigger part going forward. Um, I'm, I, you know, it's funny. I have kind of a split reaction to it. As someone who's, you know, with Netflix and working for them, and they've been so amazing to me, I want them to get all the success that they can. And if that means more movies going to them, I think that that's great. But on the flip side of that, I just I love going to the movies, man. When I was a kid, I, I don't get to do it as much anymore because, you know, you start counting your dollars. But I used to go to many movies a week. I just love that environment of sitting in a theater and watching something. And, and, and especially, you know, those bigger films, uh, not to say that only bigger films should be enjoyed at the theater, but those spectacle movies are so much fun to watch with a crowd. 
Exactly. Uh, and there's just, yeah, there's a majesty to it, to going to the theater. So I really hope that that manages to kind of claw to life. Um, but I am relieved overall that, you know, we find that when the world shuts down, it really is an escape to look at film and TV. So I don't think the industry in itself is in any real danger right now. But uh, I do think movie theaters are the thing that's on the bubble. And, uh, God, I would hate to see them go. I, I, I still think they'll bounce back. But I think the landscape of it is going to be changed forever. It's going to change for a little bit, yeah. No, totally understandable. Mm-hmm. And it's like you always think about your Fridays and your Saturday nights. For me personally, it's like, hey, like Saturday nights were always dedicated going to check out the newest release in the theater. And it's like kind of absolutely can't do that right now, you know. So in the hindsight and everything like that, I know that. Everybody that's listening to this podcast needs to go check out Lock and Key like myself. I'm definitely going to, you know, get in front of my TV, in front of the chair and nestle up with a nice snack and and, and take a deep dive into (laughs) Jesse Camacho's acting, you know, and and really experience what this show is really about. And, uh, you know, it's been a pleasure to have you come on the Metro Port Unleashed podcast. And uh, any last words you'd like to say, social media and uh, giving out your social media handles so people can follow you and see all the upcoming work that you got going on my friend oh yeah thanks um so uh, on instagram i'm uh, jesse jd camacho that's for my middle name's uh, john david uh, i got some fun stuff going there i'm still i'm still trying to find my my instagram game i don't think i've perfected it by any stretch but uh there's some fun behind the scenes nuggets there and you know i'll, I'll try to do something funny once in a while and then uh, on twitter I'm uh, at Jesse115115, and that's because that was my homeroom in high school, <laughs> meaning I haven't changed it in 12 years, which is pretty pretty funny. And, you know, I, I tweet about four or five times a day. In about a year, you'll get one funny tweet. So I'm batting about, you know, .0001 on that. So, so far, so good. I appreciate you, my friend. And thank you once again to stop by the show and give us some time about Lock and Key and all the uprising things you've been doing in your career my friend thank you thank you so much for having me let's do it again soon as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.